Hello, family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4.23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's Word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the type of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. Well, amen. Happy Easter. Christ is risen. Amen. Amen. Y'all can find your seats. Well, hey, church. Uh, my name is, is Pastor Clint Wiley. Uh, I'm one of the pastors at Kingwood Methodist Church, uh, and ex- I'm excited to have you, uh, you all here uh, to worship with us, to celebrate the risen Savior. As we, as we dive into Scripture today, uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 24, if you have your Bibles, or you can, uh, you can open up your, your bulletin here, and there is, uh, on the second to last page, you can see the Scripture uh, that we'll be reading out of today. So in our scripture today, there's a, there's a question that's asked that says, it says, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And today as we dive into scripture, I want to ask that same question for us. Church, why do we look for life among things of this world that are dead? Let's read the word of God today. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb. Note that uh, they're, they're going to the tomb in this place because they, they couldn't finish their tasks, they couldn't finish their duties the night before because of the Passover, because the, the sun had gone down and they couldn't work at night. And so they came to finish the job of, of putting Jesus to rest, their loved one their beloved savior, the one that they had followed for the last three years and given their lives to. Verse two, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they didn't find the body of their Lord Jesus. While they were wandering, wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the woman, women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you. While he was still with you in Galilee, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified and on the third day raised again. And then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all of the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they didn't believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. So Peter, however, 
He got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. This morning, as we, as we process through this scripture, I look at this, that, that curious phrase. The disciples, when the women came back to testify, to share the, the words that they, the thing that they had seen, the, the, the amazing image that the, the angels had met them there and had revealed to them, they came back. They came back and the words that they said to the disciples seemed like nonsense. I mean, that kind of makes sense, right? Those do kind of seem like nonsensical words because they had experienced him dead. They had experienced his, his side being pierced. They had experienced being put, him being put in the tomb. Everything about this story should say that he should stay dead. They didn't have modern technology where they could resuscitate someone who had died. This didn't make any sense. And so church, I think as we look at this, we see, we see the disciples act in two different ways. There's Peter, who in these, in the, these moments of nonsense, these, these moments that don't make any sense to his rational brain, to his logical thinking, Peter, he goes to investigate. But the others, the other disciples, they dismiss these words. Church, I think we find ourselves in one of these two places. When we hear about the name of Jesus, when we hear about the things of Jesus, the miracles that he did, the, the goodness of his, his, his power and his love, the, the desi his desire to be in relationship with you, we either look at those, those nonsensical words this, that this man from 2,000 years ago could possibly be alive still today. He could still have power and reigning in our lives today and that he wants to be my friend. These nonsensical words. Church, do you dismiss them or do you go to investigate? I know um, recently a, a friend of mine, I heard some just terrible news about him. And I couldn't even begin to fathom. I couldn't begin to imagine that this could have happened. And it led me to, uh, first, uh, my first reaction was to just dismiss it. There's no way. There's no way. I'm not even going to dig in. There's no way that that could happen. But I began to, it began to sit heavy on me and I, I had to investigate. I had to search. I started calling people that, that knew, knew my friend, asking the, the questions. Church, I think we are called to be investigators. We're called to be investigators of this Jesus. This man who lived 2,000 years ago. How can it be? So as we investigate, um, I've done this kind of process, this journey for myself uh, because these words seem crazy. So as I've investigated, um, I started digging into uh, how, could this, uh, how could this man, Jesus, who I've never met, 
Um, I've never met personally, I've never shook his hand. All right, I, I don't know anybody who has, who has met him personally and shook his hand, who has seen him walk in the, in, in the world. But yet I have reliable accounts. I see reliable accounts all through scripture that point us to the stories of Jesus. In fact, uh, if we're looking back at history to see reliable accounts, we all believe in Socrates. We all believe in Aristotle because of the things that they've done, the, things, the ways that they've impacted modern thought. The only way that we know that those two people exist is because there's writings about them. There's writings that they've produced. And uh, in Socrates, there are seven manuscripts for Socrates still, uh, still available today that we, we can, can see and know. Seven reliable manuscripts. And yet we call Socrates a real person, a real being who made a difference on the world. Aristotle, um, uh, he's a little, bit, a little bit later in history uh, but there are 49 manuscripts of Aristotle in the ways that he wrote and the ways that he changed the world. But Jesus, the manuscripts of the New Testament, there are over 5,900 reliable manuscripts of the New Testament. How can we not believe that there's something reliable to be said in them? In fact, there's a man named Josephus who was not a Christian at all, not even a, uh, not even a Jew in that time. In the first century, he wrote, uh, as a Roman historian, he wrote about this person named Jesus. He wrote this. About this time lived a man named Jesus, a wise man, if indeed one might call him a man. For he was one who accomplished surprising feats and was, teaching of such, and was teaching such people who are eager for novelties. He won over many Jews, many of the Greeks, and he convinced them that he was the Messiah, the anointed one of God. This Jesus, this Jesus that we talk about on Sunday mornings, we talk about in church, this Jesus that has, has changed many of our lives, he is real. He is real. But is he alive? He's real, but is he alive? Because if he's not alive, then, then what power does he have in our world today? What power does he have in our lives today? I think if we investigate, if we dismiss, then we just, we just push, that, push that aside and say, there's no way. But if we're gonna investigate, if we're gonna dive in a little bit deeper to figure this out in our logical understanding, we come to understand uh, that he was risen from the grave. All of the gospel accounts, these, these manuscript uh, um, documents of the, the, the gospels all account for his resurrection. Even Josephus, that non-Christian Jewish or uh, Roman writer wrote this, when Pilate upon indictment brought by the principal men among us condemned him to the cross. Those who loved him from the very first did not cease to be attached to him. On the third day, he appeared to them, restored 
to life. Even Josephus recognizes that this man was restored to life. For the holy prophets had foretold this and many other marvels concerning him. And hear this. And the tribe of the Christians so called after him has to this day still not disappeared. I think the greatest testimony that this Jesus person is real, that this Jesus person is alive and active in our world is that it's still carrying on today. If it was a a work of man that it would have fallen uh, by the sword, all of the 11 disciples, 10 of the 11, one one of the 11 was exiled to a, to a, a, a foreign island because of his faith. But 10 of the 11 disciples went to their death defending not just a myth, not just a fake, not just a story, but a real, a real life person who rose from the dead, who conquered sin and death and is actively moving in our world today. You would think that if, if they were just kind of making this stuff up, if, they, if, if after Jesus had died, they, uh, they kind of rallied together and said, you know what, we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna tell people that Jesus is alive, that he had power and that he's living. We're just gonna, we're just gonna tell that story. Don't you think that at some point when they were, their lives were on the line, when they were being tortured for their faith, asked to renounce the, this, this story that they had told, don't you think that at least one of them would have gone back on what they said and said, you know what? this lie isn't worth my life. If it's truly a lie, if it's not real, then, then I, you got me. You got us. It's not real. But the fact that 11 disciples were willing to put their life on the line tells me that it must be reality. So church, I don't, I don't know where you are today. When you hear these words about Jesus resurrecting, you hear these words about Jesus desiring to be a part of your life, be in relationship with you. Do you lean in and investigate? Or do you dismiss it and go about your, about your way? If you dismiss it, I want you to know that Jesus came so that you might have life and life to the fullest. It's John 10, 10. He came that you might have the fullness of life. So are you looking for life in a place where there's life? Or are you looking for life in a place where there's death? Are you looking for life in in places that will actually bring you the fullness of life? Or are you looking for the living among the dead? I know this world promises us that we can have peace. And oftentimes what what we understand as peace in this world is just silence. The absence of conflict. But what Christ offers us is peace and reconciliation. What the world offers us is brokenness, empty promises, What the world offers us is nothing in comparison 
to what Jesus offers us in the fullness of life. I have a sign in my, uh, in my office um, that uh, I, I got from a, um, a homeless artist. And the, the artist, it's really simple. It says one thing. It says, try God. Try God. When everything else that we've tried has, has fallen short of the fullness of life, try God. I ask you to investigate. Scripture says, ask, seek, and knock. You'll find me. Investigate. When the rest of the world has let you down, try God. Our, one of our, uh, our, our kind of mottos at Kingwood Methodist Church is that there's more to life. There's more to life in the resurrection of Christ. And when we begin to investigate, when we stop dismissing the things of God in our lives, we begin to dive in and investigate. We will find the goodness of God. We'll find relationship. So today, church, I'm gonna invite the, the band to come back forward. Today, church, yesterday, the tomb is empty. And the tomb is calling out your name. It's inviting you to put to death in a place of death the things of this world, to put to death our old self, all of the things that we have been trying that are not God, and to step into a new life, to step into the fullness of life that is found in Christ, to step into the peace that he promises us, to step into love, to step into joy, to step into his grace. Church, I wanna invite you to step into community because it's so hard to investigate. It's so hard to dive in by yourself. It's so difficult to, to seek out the fullness of life solo and in isolation. We have small groups. We have opportunities um, to come and worship together in community, to get to know people um, in fact, this, this next Wednesday, uh, we're gonna be, uh, we'll have a fellowship event uh, just uh, at the end of, um, of uh, Woodland Hills Drive. If you go all the way to the end to um, River Grove Park, we're gonna be uh, posted up there just having a good time cooking, at, cooking hot dogs and, and burgers um, where you can, you can find community and get plugged in. If God's calling in, into your heart, I just encourage you to begin investigating. Investigate to find truth. And as you, seek, as you seek God, I promise you, I promise you this God is real. This God is true. And this God desires for you the fullness of life. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we, as we uh, move into a time of communion, um, this is a space where we um, can investigate God. Uh, we call this uh, a sacrament, uh, which sacrament just means a, a, a holy ordinance, a place in which we can encounter the living God. And so 
Yes, it looks like uh, some bread and some grape juice. But for us, uh, this is so much more than a a post-worship snack. For us, this is an opportunity to meet with God. This is an opportunity to share in his grace and in his love. So if you've never taken communion, um, it's okay. Uh, This can be a a first time. You don't have to be a a Methodist or uh, have it all figured out to step up to the table uh, because we believe that, that this is an open table, that all are welcome to take communion today. And so on the night that Jesus gave himself up for us, he sat down with his disciples, those same disciples, some that would dismiss him, some that would investigate. And he gave thanks. And he broke the bread with them. And he said these words that were unique to that moment. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And on this side of the resurrection, those words have incredible life. And he took the cup and he rose it and he gave thanks. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink and do this in remembrance of me. And so Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you pour out your presence on these common elements of bread and cup? God, would you make these so much more than that for us? God, would you make these, the body of Christ redeemed by your blood so that we might be the body of Christ in the world, empowered and equipped by the love that you showed us on the cross, empowered and equipped by the power of the resurrection that you've conquered sin and death. God, would you fill us would you fill us just like the disciples who, who went from scared and, and fearful, denying Christ to boldly proclaiming his name in the world? God, would you help us to be curious? Would you help us to dive in, to investigate, to look closer, to recognize you in the midst of your truth? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.